You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. Do my prejudices influence communication of the gospel? What is my position as a Christian on mission? Is Christianity compatible with other religious expression? Is evangelism simply white colonization? Do all expressions of faith lead to the same ultimate outcome? We can boldly face the relativism that is influencing missions and overtaking the clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us as we discuss complex issues facing the local church as it serves Christ in obedience to the Great Commission. This is Mission of the Nations with host Grant Fawcett. Last night, in the wee hours of the night, Jonathan Yo and I had a conversation over Zoom uh, that we recorded for today's uh, podcast for you to listen to. Um, we naturally flowed into our conversation, so I didn't get the opportunity to introduce him properly. So I'm doing that now. Um, but what you're listening to is a conversation Jonathan and I had with respect to um, the mission work and uh, relationship with the church, the local church, and how that uh, can be and should be a biblical relationship. So um, we're going to jump in uh, sort of midway through the convo, and uh, we hope that it's a blessing to you as well. What is a missionary in relationship to what is the church? And then sort of how we talk about our ministry and how we represent our ministry and how that relationship with the church can either be healthy or unhealthy. Yeah. I could ask you some of those questions, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a, a good thing, right? Like, yeah. Um, it was one of the things that we sort of faced as we got up into missions as well. Um, because we went to our church uh, elders board and, and we were sort of, you know, well, we feel that we would like to that God is calling us up into ministry, but we want to um, submit to the authority of the church here um, in that call and, and see if you folk recognize it as well. Right. And that you would bless it. And they were sort of like, well, uh, that's not how we do things here. <laughs> they said, <laughs> you know, you just find a mission organization and, you know, you sign up with them and go through their application process and everything. And, and then come to us, you know, and, and I'm like, yeah, but that's not the biblical way of doing things, you know. Yeah. God wants us to be sent out by our local church. And uh, that was, uh, that was a, an interesting thing. Uh, our board, um, you know, came on, came on board with us with it, uh, so to speak. And we were the first uh, that they, um, you know, they had... Uh, a laying on of hands and of and sending us out up into ministry um, and helping us find uh, the organization that we should go with, etc., uh, to be able to use the gifts that we we have and and recognizing those gifts and and things as well. So that that was kind of neat. Um, but as I say, it was a learning process for all involved because it's certainly not been the way that the the evangelical church up in North America, at least, has, has functioned for many years. So, 
Yeah. And like, even as I've talked about the relationship of the church and the parachurch over the last few years, I've, I've had discussions with pastors and I've written about it a little bit in, in my blog and things. Um, I get a little mm-hmm. bit of kickback from people sometimes because of this idea that there should be a high degree of accountability to the local church. Um, it seems to make people uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, that, that this autonomy mm. that as Christian workers that we seem to enjoy, we don't want to let go of, uh, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. mo- most missionaries tend to be supported by a number of churches. They'll often will have a sending church and then there'll be maybe a dozen other churches that will, you know, contribute to their ministry in different ways. And so mm-hmm. then, then there's some confusion that comes in. Well, which church is the church that I should be accountable to and how do I do that? And so it, 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 it is a very unique dynamic that exists for people who are in missions, whether they're domestic or foreign missionaries. And, and I think it can be helpful to just for us to talk about it on this podcast um, what is a missionary and, and what, what are they, what are we trying to accomplish and, and what does the Bible really say about that whole thing versus what has it become, you know? And I just think it's good. It's good for us to talk about so that, that others can start to think about it as well. And, and I think there's a, you've raised a number of good points there. First, biblically, what is a missionary? Because I think our understanding and our definition of who is and what is a missionary is very different than what the Bible uh, calls a missionary. You know, like I'm just even thinking back to the nation of Israel as God called them out as a distinct people. Part of their distinctness and their calling out was to be a light and a testimony to all the nations around of God's goodness and faithfulness in their lives. In essence, they were to be that uh, missional body that God would use to draw others to himself. There would be those who were not born into the nation of Israel who still became part of God's family during those days because of the testimony and the witness and the missional attitude of the nation of Israel. And so that's going back as I look at it in the Old Testament. And as we look at it in the the new, you know, we always look to Paul and his missional journeys, but there was a lot of missional work before that. And, And some of that I always consider quite interesting because even in the 12 disciples as Jesus sent them out to do the work that he had trained them to do they yet I would not say were Christian the church hadn't started at that point they were believers they had a faith in God they were doing the work that God had called them to using the gifts that God had given them but we were talking earlier and and even as as these 12 disciples came back and they had gone up uh, out into the wilderness and then the 5,000 followed them out and, and they're like, how do we feed them? (laughs) 
And and when we when I read the scriptures before, it said that they had raised the dead, they had caused the blind to see, they had caused the dumb to speak, they had healed the lame, and and as I said, even raised the dead. And they're worried about how to feed five thousand. <laughs> you know, and 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 I'm thinking, all right, they did all of these things in proclaiming who Jesus was as the Son of God, but yet they still hadn't really attained. And so, although they were doing missional work, it was still in a limited form and capacity. And mm-hmm. and when we see Paul, as Paul goes out, um, it's, it's different because with the disciples, yes, the Holy Spirit went with them and he did the work in and through them, but, but Paul had the Spirit of God living within him. And as he went out and he did the work, it was being used as that tool that God could use to accomplish the purpose of of the gospel being proclaimed, Mm -hmm. the message of the hope of the coming Savior who had come in the person of Jesus, who had died, who rose again, Mm -hmm. and who is coming again in power. And it was always interesting to me because even with Paul, he had a very distinct way that being a distinct person, he did things much differently than you and I would. And my, my wife and I, we were talking about this the other day, and we were like, you know, I think, you know, God had to send Barnabas with, with Paul because Paul, he was just so hit him in the face with the message that those guys would have been so discouraged right. that if Barnabas wasn't there to encourage them, they yeah. would think, well, there's just no hope, <laughs> you know. And all of these people are doing a missional work. They're acting as missionaries. Mm. And even as the church goes out into the world, they are being the missionary, right? They're fulfilling the Great Commission as laid out up in the Gospel of Matthew to go into all the world and to preach the Gospel and that's what we as, as believers are to be doing. And I think part of what has happened, though, is that we've given that role, that responsibility to certain individuals, rather than realizing as the church, that is our responsibility. There are people within the church proper and within God's body of the church who are gifted to preach and to teach but we are all to be proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe where a lot of the church today has missed the understanding, in my opinion, of what it means to be a missionary. As I say, some of us have dedicated our lives and all that we're doing to proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But even if we're not doing it as a vocation, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing it as we live our lives in the world around us. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that that reality, the truth of that statement, kind of leads into a whole other confusion because some of the tension that comes from sort of a lack of desire to submit to the local church as a missionary or as a Christian worker comes from this idea, well, Paul... 
like we studied the three missionary journeys of Paul at Bible school and mm-hmm. all those things. And well, he oversaw churches, right? But so that, that kind of gets pointed to with, without the understanding that this is the initiation of the church. And so it's a bit of a different time. When you were talking, you reminded me of the passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and maybe I'll read Mm -hmm. it. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. And I heard a really good message about that passage one time that sort of elucidated the reality that being full-time missionaries isn't something that we do. It's, it's something that we are. You, you are a soldier because if you aren't a soldier morning, noon, and night and preparing for war, then you mm-hmm. will die in battle. Or an athlete. If you are not an athlete morning, noon, and night and have it impact the entire scope of your diet and sleeping and lifestyle, then you will not win the reward. And, and likewise, the farmer. You don't just farm. You are a farmer because you must get up early. You must stay up late. You must tend to the crops and, and livestock. And Similarly, it is to be a missionary. A Christian worker must be at the plow all the time. It's not simply something that we do, but it's something that we are. And that reality washes through to every Christian person in their lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And and we all are required to submit to the local church, but that requires us to have a healthy ecclesiology. So it's a big conversation, maybe too much to have all at once. But if we don't have a healthy ecclesiology, then everything else falls apart anyway. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and that's true, right? We have to understand what the church actually is mm. um, from a biblical standpoint. And again, I think we've been confused so much on what the church is biblically um, because of what the church has pretended to be um, or has been seen to be by the world around it. Mm-hmm. And and the true church has been morphed uh, into many people's thinkings as a apostate church. Mm-hmm. And as you were talking, like I was thinking of uh, even just where we've moved up into ministry here up in uh, Pinoka right now. Uh, one of the things that we did as we moved up into ministry was we sought to find Bible believing local group of believers that we could submit to and come under the authority of. And uh, we talked with our sending church from Three Hills, and they, they have a special provision for us as, as missionaries that we can uh, be members of their church as well as members of the local church where we are. So we talked to the elders of our local church, and we said, we would like to become members of the church. And they, they were sort of shocked. They said, well, why, why, why would you need to be members? You're already missionaries. Yeah. Um, but we said, because it's important that we are under the authority of this local church. Um, We're not here to do or to be apart from the local church, Mm -hmm. unless we can do the work that God has called us through the local church, Mm -hmm. we shouldn't be doing it. And that's how, how strongly we feel that God longs to work in and through the local church Mm -hmm. and the body. 
And it gives us the accountability. We want to have accountability for what we're doing and what we're saying and how we're living our lives. And, and we want, if there's things that need to be dealt with in our lives, we want the local church to be able to say and come to us and say, Jonathan, this is an area that we see that you're struggle, struggling in biblically. Mm. Uh, we'd like to walk alongside and, and help you to deal with this, to confess this to God, to, to repent of it and, mm. and to be, make things right. I think that's a healthy situation to be in. And to work apart from the local church, I think, is to work apart from God. God always has worked through the church since the establishing of the church up in the book of Acts. Well, and there's very, I think there's very clear guidelines for how a church, you know, we talk about ecclesiology. Well, what, what is our doctrine of the church? Well, it has to be based on what the New Testament says about how a church mm-hmm. should be ordered. And I think in a lot of ways, we've allowed the world to dictate how we have our church polity. How we order our church looks more like a business than it does like a spiritual mm-hmm. collective of people. And, you know, Titus and first and second Timothy are wonderful books and they have a lot of really good information about how a church should be ordered. But for a, a lot of denominations sort of walked away from that 125 years ago. And there's a bit of a return yeah. to it nowadays, but I think that that contributes to some of the, confusion that's happened in missions about what is a missionary who are they accountable to what what is this work they're doing i i don't know that churches that support missionaries even invest a whole lot of energy in making sure that the missionaries that they do support are biblically operating right Mm -hmm. are are they do they have a functional gospel literacy are they operating in a way that brings glory to god or, you know, John Piper at Desiring God has, has some articles that he's written about how ministry is a, a, an, an easy place for lazy men to hide. You know, mm-hmm. those kind of, that's true, unfortunately. Yeah. But those kind of accountabilities are ripe and, and real when there is a submission to the local church. And I think uh, you've hit a, a number of very key points there. And I think some of those are also encompassed in the fact of the recognition of gifting Mm -hmm. within the local church, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And through that body. And that's where it's seen where your gifting is and where that gifting lies. Mm -hmm. And as you were talking about how our churches are established or, or founded or operating, they so much operate under this business principle rather than this ecclesiological principles that are laid out in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And most churches that you go into in North America today, you'll see the most successful businessmen are those who are the elders in the church. Mm -hmm. Regardless of the fact that they may not have the gift of preaching or teaching, or they may not rule their house well, or whatever, Mm -hmm. but as long as they're good businessmen, Mm -hmm. we want them to lead in the church. Mm -hmm. And Rather than, as you say, going and looking at Timothy and seeing, all right, what does the scriptures lay out for the guidelines of an elder mm-hmm. or for a deacon? We have interpreted our church or our ecclesiology 
through these business principles. And a lot of people have this idea, as you say, that they don't have to be accountable. They can just do what they want. Mm -hmm. But that's not a biblical principle either. Mm -hmm. Um, Even as Paul wrote many of his letters, it was being accountable to those churches as well. Those churches that were standing behind him in prayer and then going out and and sharing with others. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much of that that is there. And even as Paul wrote up in 1 Thessalonians, uh, he was talking to the church there and he was talking how as they were establishing the church that he actually worked a part so as not to be a burden to the people up in Thessalonica. Right. As, a, as the church was being established. But as he said, you know, it's not that we couldn't, as apostles of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not that we couldn't ask for support in this work, right? But then as he went and followed up uh, with these other communities, he gave reflections back. This is what's going on. Pray for our brothers and sisters. Encourage each other. There was so much where he was putting himself in that accountability. And we read that as well through Romans and Acts as well. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of neat to see that even up in the very beginnings of many of the churches in those communities, Paul didn't consider himself above the church. Mm -hmm. He considered himself a part of the church. Right. And and to me, I think that's, that's a key element that as missionaries, we're not above the church mm-hmm. or apart from the church mm-hmm. we are a part of the church i think and that as such we need to be a part of the local church yeah sorry to interrupt you there uh, i i i think that that really shows out our individualism doesn't it that that church mm-hmm. the idea of church as the bride of christ is collective the mm-hmm. bible talks about it as a collective we are a body We have different functions in that body. We operate together in harmony and in unity that is bound by Christ and by his work. But when we say, I can work independently of the church as an individual, then we've stepped outside of not only the language of the New Testament, but the language of of the capital C Bride of Christ Church as well. And I, I think that that's an important mm-hmm. distinction. Like, what are we stepping away from when we claim our individuality to a degree that we say, I don't need to be accountable to a local church or to the local church? I think it's interesting. I was really blessed by a particular situation here at Arrowhead. We had, as, as is often the case, there was some rumors going around that of one thing or another that this particular time it was that we don't have the gospel present at Arrowhead. That was a rumor. And a number of pastors heard this rumor. And one of those pastors took the time to drive over three hours to come and sit down with me and talk to me about it and and to see about the Mm -hmm. ministry here at Arrowhead and our philosophies and what we're doing. But that was a ministry to me. It was an accountability to the local church that is connected with the ministry here. And it was restorative. I think that mm-hmm. a healthy missional church is one that is restorative and that desires to do that hard work of saying, hey, I've heard this thing. Can you explain it? And are you actually serving Jesus? Yeah, here it is. And here's how we do it. You know, that's the kind of mm-hmm. relationship that I think is the healthiest. 
And, and I think it can go even one step farther. And, and this is what I've seen where the local church has struggled over the last number of years, although it's starting to come back. And it's the idea of discipline within the local church as well. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that idea is, is that we are held accountable to others and to the church. And as members of the church, that we can be disciplined when we don't live up to the commands of the gospel. And when we're struggling in areas and we will not repent, that there needs to be discipline Mm -hmm. uh, happen. And as that happens in the church, it's never for sole purpose of punishment. It's Mm -hmm. always, as you say, restorative. Mm -hmm. It's to bring about repentance. It's to draw people back. Just thinking of Paul again, where he set apart, he set these guys out of the church because they would not repent. It's this selfishness that we see, this individualistic selfishness Mm -hmm. in our lives Mm -hmm. that is taking us apart from the corporate body and not allowing us to see that everything that we do affects all of our brothers and sisters around us. Mm -hmm. Every word that we say, every action, it affects the gospel, it affects the local church. Mm -hmm. And as you say, it can be a wonderful blessing Mm -hmm. to have that accountability, Mm -hmm. um, one with the other. It can be encouraging for those of us that are part of the local church to know that there are those who care enough to ask us the tough questions, Mm -hmm. that there are those that care enough to, to dig up into those areas of our lives that others might not be willing to go into, that are willing to say, you know what, that's not right. You need to repent. You need to, you need to make things right with the Lord on this. You can't keep on going that way. And I think it's as that aspect of family and discipline happens that the church is able to grow. Mm-hmm. And as those of us that are in missions are able to see God work in amazing ways mm-hmm. but i think you've hit on some key points there uh, that big one being the individualistic lifestyle that we now live mm-hmm. uh, where it's all about me and i'm number one mm-hmm. and even our salvation isn't a biblical salvation i say that because when i went through school as i grew up and i always heard all these things you know, about the four spiritual laws, the sinner's prayer, etc. And it was always about, well, if I do this, then this is what I will get. Mm -hmm. And that's not the gospel. Right. The gospel is about what God has done on our behalf. Mm -hmm. And in spite of our sinful, selfish nature, Mm -hmm. God imparts his grace to us. Mm -hmm. He, he gives us salvation that we don't deserve. And it's, it's not about us. It's only about him. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this period of time up in our North American church history, where it was so much about what can we do mm-hmm. rather than what about what God is doing that has really hurt the church that exists uh, right now in North America. As you say, I think I, we've seen a movement to restoring uh, what the gospel truly is. There's a, 
a hunger for God's word. There's a hunger to get to know God through his word. I believe God's spirit is, is revealing things to many of us who have been in ministry and have perhaps even used those methods in the past where we've had to repent of those things and, mm-hmm. and to realize that we can't do things our way. We have to do it God's way. Mm-hmm. And as we do that through the church, God blesses. And we don't necessarily see the results of it right away. But at least in my own life, I can see how God has changed my thinking up in so many ways. And, and as he's changed my thinking, how that's affected my children and my neighbors and my, my family and my local church family as well. Mm-hmm. If I could sort of summarize where we've landed, it, it, it seems like biblical missions has to be seated in a biblical Christ-centered local church. Does that sound mm-hmm. fair? A hundred percent. Apart from the church, I don't think we see biblical missions mm-hmm. exist in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. We see man's endeavors at missional activity, right? but it's not missions. Mm. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's probably a whole nother podcast that we'll have to do another time because I think there's a lot to talk about there. Mm-hmm. What, what is the work that we're doing? You know, how, how are we reporting yeah. the work that we do and for what reasons are we reporting it and all of that? Like, I, I think we could, maybe we'll have to do this mm-hmm. again in a month or something and, and talk about all of that aspect because, you know, we've just scratched the surface. We've, we've established that biblical missions has to be rooted in a good ecclesiology. And then, and then what, (laughs) you know, um, there's, Mm -hmm. there's so so much more to talk about. I wanted to mention one thing before, before we move on in our discussion, but I had the opportunity to go with two other men as the three elders of a local church to a conference in Washington, DC Mm-hmm. Uh, probably it must have been three years ago now. It was called the Weekender, and it's at Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Capitol Hill Baptist Church is where Nine Marks Ministry is centered in. Mark Dever is the pastor. Mm-hmm. They invite pastors and elders and deacons to come to their church for a weekend, and you you take part in their church polity mm-hmm. and. It doesn't mean that they think there's their ways the only way or, or anything like that, but it gives you an opportunity to see how a healthy biblical church is functioning. And I found it extremely helpful and it helped to form uh, in my mind, my doctrine of the church based on scripture and applied in how they were sort of operating the church. Now that's a church of a thousand. You can't take what they do and do it in Cumberland Bay, but the principles mm-hmm. were there. And I, I would, any church that is thinking, oh man, we need to have a biblical missions program. I would challenge you to first ask yourself, do we have a biblical functioning church? And engage mm-hmm. with, with, with a, a conference like the Weekender. Go and, and, and study and talk and ask questions and, and see how, how we can be biblical and obedient and you know church discipline isn't fun but it's important and it's a command mm-hmm. and when we don't do it we sin 
And that should matter to us, you know, not, not mm-hmm. even just church discipline, but discipleship, biblical, di- older men mm-hmm. leading younger men, older women leading younger women. I mean, programs are all fine and good, but are we discipling, right? Are we spending mm-hmm. time with one another in ways that are deep and real and functional? Those are the things that I think we, sh- if we want to have a good missions program, we should ask ourselves if those are the things that we're doing and, and then go from there. Uh, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on all that? Well, I, I agree a hundred percent, like, unless, you know, and, and I would take it even one step farther back. I think it's our doctrine of salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost, mm-hmm. I believe that there are a lot of people in our evangelical church in North America who believe that they are believers, mm-hmm. but yet they have no idea of the gospel. And as such, they're trying to be a part of something that they don't belong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a thorn in the flesh because they haven't become part of the flesh. And so all around that thorn, it just festers and, and it causes hurt and pain up in that local body because that thorn shouldn't be there. And so many times people have been put up into places within the local church because, well, their parents and their grandparents were in the church, and so they're Christians as well, right? Not because of a faith, a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, because of the work that God has done within them. Mm-hmm. And, and then, as you say, to have uh, the church and a, a biblical understanding of what the church is, uh, who the church is, and of how the church should function, that's so critical discipleship, how are we going to do missions if we don't understand what it is to be discipled? Why do we have to go to Bible schools or to seminaries to receive the training that we should be getting through our local church? Mm, um, our local churches, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're just opening uh, the door to, to many oh, other podcasts worm. after here, but... <laughs> <laughs> but but, you know, it's, it's like when the church is functioning as God intends it, it's such a beautiful thing. And there's growth and, and there's just God doing amazing things in and through the people. And then they see and they sense where God wants them to use the gifts that he has given them mm-hmm. in doing the missional work. And that's when we see the growth of the church. That's when we see believers coming into the church that's where we see those who have professed christ their lives being changed repenting of sin turning to himself sometimes i think uh, people have this idea because you know you need to go to these churches that have thousands of people but you know jesus had 12 disciples that was uh, the group that he focused on were these 12 men that doesn't mean that he didn't speak to thousands at other times you know, as individuals, it's hard to get to know even a hundred people, let a thousand people well. Right. And when I think of discipleship in the church, part of that discipleship is being able to ask the hard questions. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to ask the hard questions when you don't know the person well enough to know what questions to ask. Well, I think that leads and, into another and that's where thing for reality, Jonathan, is that the pastor isn't a paid employee. It, it's not just his job to do the discipleship. 
right? Everybody has a responsibility Mm -hmm. to do discipleship. So, you know, if you have a church of 12, the pastor can probably do it all. Um, But that doesn't mean you shouldn't. But if you have a right. if you have a church of a hundred, then you have a bunch of people you could disciple and be discipled by. And even if you only have a church of twelve, that doesn't mean that the pastor shouldn't or should be taking on the role of the twelve, right? Discipling, because part of making the disciples is helping those who are already there disciple others. Mm-hmm. And I think we can even see that in. Um, some of the disciples themselves, you know, where they're at different stages and some of the interactions that they had one with another as they were sent out on mission as well. There were hard questions that were even happened between Paul, Timothy, Barnabas, Silas. These guys knew each other well. They're part of the Capital C Church, but they were able to ask each other the hard questions. They were able to confront each other on these these things, and they were willing to do it. They didn't leave it just to the pastor to do it, as, as you would say, right? You know, in a lot of ways, Paul would have been considered their pastor, but yet, you know, these guys, these men were willing to, to hold him accountable as well. So Right. They pastor, they served as his pastor in some ways, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think a healthy church leadership will function in that way. You know, an elder pastors the pastor and the pastor pastors the elders. And it's both ways. I think that kind of unity is important. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you were getting, like with the older women and the younger women and the older men, the younger men. I think part of that is that younger men can ask those older men some of the hard questions and they can learn from the experience of the older men. But sometimes the older men can learn from some of the questions that the younger men are asking Mm -hmm. and it challenges them in their own discipling. They end up becoming discipled themselves and God has established these orders of discipleship up in a way to help all those in the discipling process continue to grow. And to me, that's, that's what's really cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think, you know, we talked about individualism and how it applies to this whole conversation, you know, and, and we are talking sort of in relationship to missions, which is the, the focus of this podcast, but we have to talk about the church. And I think that mm-hmm. Western church often has become a consumer mindset. I mentioned at the beginning that, that we like to run our churches with a business model. And I think that what has flowed out of that is that the congregants, those who attend, you know, and you, you brought out the reality that, that some people sitting in the pews aren't actually Christians because they still don't actually understand the gospel. So I use the word congregants. Those who attend the church mm-hmm. have a consumer mindset. It's run like a business the pastor mm-hmm. is an employee, a product is presented, and that product is a degree of spiritual comfort or assurance and a service once a week. And, and likewise, the missions program can be another product. I can feel as though I have contributed to some facet of church by contributing to this missions program. And I think that that kind of consumerism that's crept into so many churches is destructive not only of 
that local church and its health and ministry, but of missions and then exporting that model of church to other nations and to other communities can be equally as, as damaging. And so I, I think, I, I really believe that we've hit the nail on the head that biblical missions must be seated in biblical ecclesiology. And as you mentioned, biblical ecclesiology can only be seated in biblical soteriology, a biblical doctrine of salvation of the work of Christ. It's a big conversation, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we've been talking for quite a while about it, and we haven't even scratched the surface. And, and I think partly, um, as you say, up in that whole business idea of it is a lot of our parachurch organizations or our missional organizations have, in essence, they sprang out of the church, but now they've tried to almost spring on top of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than be under the authority of the local church, they've tried to take on the authority of the church. Mm-hmm. And the authority doesn't lie up in the mission body or the mission organization mm-hmm. or the paratorture organization or the camp or whatever else. Mm-hmm. It needs to lie with the local church. Mm-hmm. And, and so... I think that's another one of those areas that we could go up into yeah. or down the rabbit hole with, but it's, it's this, it comes back to the true understanding of the authority of the local church and where our accountability lies. And as a mission organization, one of the things that I've been trying to push my, my brothers and sisters on is that we are under the authority of the local church. We need to be accountable to the local church. We need to get input from the local church. We're essentially just one conduit that the local church can use in reaching out with the gospel in a certain area or geographic uh, location. But we're certainly not the only area or only organization or only way that God might want us to reach out. So, And at the end of the day, I guess... God is using all of us in our sin, no matter how profound that sin might mm-hmm. be. I'm a sinful person, and God is working His will in spite of my missteps and errors. And so mm-hmm. we can talk about ideals, and I think principles are really important, but I think we all have to ask ourselves, how can we be set apart in the biblical way and, and, and be used to the greatest Mm -hmm. effect for the gospel, for the glory of God. And that's it. We're just dirty, rotten sinners, as you say, except for the grace of God. As God reveals these things to us, how are we being transformed by his Holy Spirit? What is being changed in our lives as these truths are impacting us? What role in our congregation do these differences bring? Because as people start to see the work of the Holy Spirit being worked in and through our lives, it will bring about change in the rest of our local body. We can take the analogy the other direction with the bread. If you add a little bit of yeast, it's going to spread the whole way. Uh, I know in the Bible that's talking about sin. But as God starts to work within us in the local church, Mm -hmm. it spreads as well. And it helps for others to see areas that perhaps they haven't uh, dealt with in their own lives. Sin that has corrupted their, their thinking, their, 
their way of living life so that they aren't bringing God the glory that he deserves. Mm -hmm. And as they see that change up in another person, God's spirit quite often will cause them to come to the place of, of needing to deal with that as well. That's God's spirit working through the discipleship process as being light and testimony in the darkness, right? And I think that's so much as we go up into even the missional aspect of it, as we go as Christians, as we reach out into communities who are not touched with the gospel, we're that light. And where light comes, we're the reflection of of what God has done and is doing in and through our lives. And that light draws people to hear the message, the message that changed our lives so that God's spirit can use that same message to impact and change their lives. So we have these analogies that you can look at throughout scripture, you know, with, you know, we're to be salt and light, you know, up in a world that so much needs salt and light today, especially during this time where so many are, are without hope. We're to be hope. We're to be the love. You know, we're to be joy. Uh, let me look, take a look here. I was just thinking of First uh, Thessalonians uh, at the end of the chapter. People ask, well, what is the will of God? Mm-hmm. What is the will of God for our lives? Mm-hmm. And I think it says it up in First Thessalonians 5, verse 16. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. It says, brothers, pray for us. And that's the the will of God that that we are rejoicing, not because of what we can do, but because of what God has and is doing, not only in our lives, but through our lives as, as it impacts the world. And, and that we can pray without ceasing, that we can give thanks in spite of our circumstances with yeah. COVID-19 and yeah. <laughs> all that that's impacted and the way that we can live and what we can do and our finances and everything else. We can give thanks because it's not in regards to what the world or the standards of the world that we give thanks. It's because of what and who God is. Yeah, that's great. If, if you want to know God's will, pursue him. You know, so many times you hear about people laying awake at night wondering what God's will is. And really what we should be wondering is who God is, who he reveals himself to be in scripture. And we pursue him and we're thankful and prayerful and content and I think that's great. So I appreciate you uh, mm-hmm. joining me for this talk. We rabbit trailed everywhere and we left a bunch, a bunch of like um, hanging chads for other conversations. Bread crumbs on the trail. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to come back to it and, uh, and do this again and, and talk about some of those other things, I think, Jonathan. But I really appreciate you uh, joining me from way out West. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for the opportunity and, uh, It was a lot of fun, and hopefully we can do it again. All right, brother. Sounds good. 
This has been a broadcast of Arrowhead Radio, a ministry of Arrowhead Native Bible Center. Visit our website at arrowheadnbc.com for more information. Look for a new episode next week wherever you find your favorite podcasts.